Best Book Bits Podcast brings you Adrian Webster, former riot policeman, milkman, salesman, now popular motivational speaker and best-selling author. Adrian, thanks for being on the show. Oh, Michael, what, what a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. No, no worries at all. And uh, I just, for my audience who sort of don't know who you are, obviously, I know you've done a lot throughout your career. Uh, let's rewind back to the earlier years. Who is the 18-year-old Adrian? What is he doing? What is he dreaming of? And how did your story unfold from there on in? Oh, crikey. 18-year-old Adrian Webster was, at 18, was planning on joining the army, getting a, trying to get a commission in the army. Uh, then what happened, uh, the local the local police police officer of the little town I lived in said, oh, you don't want to go in the army. You, you know, you'll spend all your life sort of, you know, training for things and square bashing and all that. And you, you, you think about the police, uh, you know, every day is a different day. You know, sort of, it's exciting and it, it appealed to me. And uh, I joined the police and um, I, I absolutely loved the first couple of years. And then I, I, I started realizing perhaps it, it wasn't for me. I, I wanted to do other stuff. I always sort of had this sort of desire to sort of do something uh, different. And I, I'll be honest with you, Michael, I never really knew what it was. And uh, so anyway, I sort of tried a few things and uh, cutting a long story short, I blagged my way into the IT industry uh, as a sales guy. Uh, I was a pretty good sales guy. And overnight, the company I was working at, the guys who owned it, for some reason, I never quite understand to this day, decided to give me a team of 150 young salespeople to try and manage and look after. Uh, and that's really where all the motivational side of things for me uh, began, where I found something that uh, I found something I loved uh, and something that one of the very few things that, in life that I, I realized I was quite good at it. Uh, and other people seemed to enjoy it. And I started to realize I was making a bit of a difference to people's lives. And it all sounds a bit cliche and corny, but, but that's exactly it. So, but I was actually rubbish at it, at managing people when I first got into it. I, th I thought it'd be a, a piece of cake. Um, but wow, wow, it was, it was so, so challenging and so difficult. Um, but I, I became obsessed with why I had to say a team of a hundred people, why there's two or three people that are just truly extraordinary. Uh, and what I started to do, I started to beg interviews, the rich, the famous, the, the billionaires, the entrepreneurs, uh, the most successful people on this planet to find out what made them tick. And then people finding out about the research I was doing started to contact me uh, with people who weren't rich or famous, but were incredibly successful in their own right. There was a, there was a nursing sister in a, in a hospital in Bristol here in the UK. There was a um, a man who collects rubbish off the streets of Manchester, incredibly successful people in their own right. Um, uh, and from that, what I started to do was create this, it sounds like I'm going mad, this motivational world called Polar Bear Pirates to try and inspire, uh, to retain and engage, engage my people. I hope that makes some sense to you. Yeah, um, you're the modern day version of the UK's Napoleon Hill. So that was a massive compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I want to fill in some gaps. Um, you ran a dairy business uh, in the milk industry. Is that correct? Where, where did that fit in? Oh, that I, I when I left the police, uh, um, I, I went off to college for a while. I was down at college and my girlfriend's father had a farm in Somerset and a thing called Milk Quotas was coming in. And he said, you know, I'd, I'd like if I could to sort of build my own dairy company up to start supplying uh, uh, doorstep customers with farm fresh milk and also local shops. Uh, I need someone to do it. I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I, I started doing that, I had a little tiny mini pickup truck. Uh, I used to sort of go out uh, delivering milk. And what I'd do, I'd go out every evening and knocking on literally hundreds of doors, trying to persuade uh, people, families to, to swap from their milkman they'd had from years to us. Uh, and that's how I sort of got into the sales side of things. Um, and then, and that's how I started creating some of the characters, the original characters from the Polar Bear Pirates book. So I'd knock on a door, uh, some, some guy'd come to the door and he'd just look at me and say, ah, oh, no, we're not interested. And he literally like slammed the door in my face. And at, at first I used to get quite upset about it. I used to go, go and sit in the car and sulk about it. Um, but then when I started creating these characters, I, I sort of seen, finding out how many I could collect. So someone like that, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of knock on the door, they'd slam the door in my face, 
And I just look look at the door and just think, bloater, what a bloater. And I go, see if I can find another bloater. They go knock on the door next door. And then I get some real miserable person and I think, oh, there's a leg for it. Um, and then when I started taking out friends of mine, my little teams of sort of door knockers, cold callers to come and join me, uh, I introduced them to this little game. So I made, I made it fun. I made uh, sales like, like a, a game. Uh, and the surprising thing was, was, you know, we started to knock on an awful lot more doors because of it. And hey, we got lucky, you know, because we knock on the door and someone says, ah, I can't believe you just knocked on the door. We just moved here. We're just looking for a moment. Um, and then years later, when I was in the IT industry, I, I basically, with the world of Polar Bear Pirates, created that same sort of game mentality uh, with all my sales teams, uh, especially the, the people who are doing cold calling there. Um, so what I was trying to do is, is say to people, look, you know, rejection is an accolade. You know, <laughs> when people are criticizing you or rejecting, you know, it, it, for me, it's just proof that you're doing something with your life. Um, you know, I'll just say this, Michael. I've, you know, when, when people know you're a motivational speaker, they sort of associate you with sort of, I don't know, in their head, really motivational things. And, and motivation for me, you know, I, I, I get people climbing mountains, sailing oceans, trekking to the North and South Pole. Uh, and it is incredibly inspiring. Don't get me wrong. But me, the bit that in, excites me and interests me about motivation is what motivates what I call everyday people, people like me, to, to get out of bed, to climb their own mountains and make a difference in the workplace. You know, what motivates someone in sales, what motivates someone driving a forklift truck, someone working in a warehouse, someone in finance, someone in HR, whatever it is, what motivates real people to, to, to push themselves? And, and that's what I'm all about. That's what the world of Polar Bear Pirates is about. It's about people everyday people like myself realizing that, that they they can make a difference yeah it's an inspiring story and um i've had a look at the book myself and it's been compared to who moved my cheats uh is that correct That's what uh it's the polar uh the initial polar bear pirate uh, when it first came out uh, people were sort of you know sort of putting who moved my cheese alongside it um it's a it's a, a completely different story. It's uh, uh, I've never actually read Who Moved My Cheese, but it's yeah. I mean, you know, it's a it's a it's a small sort of thin book. You know, there's not that many pages, um, and it's just sort of it's put across, I suppose, in a in a in a, in a fun way. Uh, that that sort of what I tried to do was was cut through what I call motivational psychobabble. Um, I try to cut through all that nonsense, all all the theory of motivation. Uh, and make motivation appealing to 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 ev everyday people, um, so that they had some sort of framework for motivating themselves. Yeah. Now, talk to me about um, you had a, a speech with uh, one of your clients came in, happened to be in the office, and he was so impressed that he asked you to deliver a, a speech to his staff, and and the rest is history. Is that how your speaking uh, career unfolded? Uh, yeah. Expand on that a little bit. Yeah. What happened, Michael? I, uh, Part of my role of running these big teams of people, and they kept bolting more people onto me, and um, uh, part of my role was because motivation, is, as you know, it's it's like a, you know, it's like a, 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 a it's like a something with a slow puncture. It's like a football or a, a tire. You know, it's like a tiny little puncture. You've got to keep it, you know, pumped up all the time. Uh, and part of my role was to sort of get up in front of my people and, and uh, probably three times a week and, and gather the whole company around and get everyone fired up all the time. Um, and what happened was, to start with, I still to this day get really nervous when I speak. Uh, I used to be absolutely sort of really nervous of standing in front of people. But I, I sort of found out that if I started uh, introducing this polar bear pirate world, and if I if I made the talks fun and a bit different and a bit wacky, uh, people because I had a lot of young people working for me, uh, people sort of seemed to find it really engaging. Uh, and what happened was people started bringing other people along to to turn up at these talks. And then one night uh, I'm doing a talk, and uh, when I finished speaking, one of the one of my team members came up to me and said, "Adrian, we had one of our one of our biggest." customers, one of my biggest clients at the back of the room listening to that. He, he wants you to, he wants to have a chat with you. And uh, first, I was, actually, I was actually horrified, I was mortified because we haven't just been talking about motivation, we've been talking about figures and 
you know, profit margins and all this stuff. Oh, God. And anyway, I went to the back of the room and um, he, just, he just looked at me and he said, if, if I got pizzas in and Coca-Cola uh, and, and kept all my, my people in my company behind for an hour after, after work, uh, would you come and just tell them what you just told your people? And I said, yeah, sure. So I did that. And then, um, and then his friend in London rang up the week after and said, could you come and chat to my people? I said, yeah. So I was sort of saying, yeah, and running around all over the place <laughs> uh, for sort of, you know, a slice of pizza. And, and uh, I was doing that for seven years, Mike, in my spare time. Um, so I was able to sort of, you know, create and sort of, I suppose craft my sort of speaking and, uh, and, and you know, and, and, and build on this motivational world um, of, of, of everyday people making a difference. And, and it just seemed to be popular. And then what happened, I was doing a talk one night and there was an agent in the room uh, and they said to me, oh, my God, you should be on the speaker circuit. And uh, I didn't even, I'll be honest, I didn't even really know that existed. And uh, this, oh, wow, you should have got it. So I started doing that and uh, it just, it just took off. And, um, uh, and there you are. And I just realized, you know, I've found something uh, that I absolutely love, something I'm com so passionate about. I, I can always say I wouldn't want to be doing anything else than motivational speaking. It's just the best thing, you know, see, see people laughing and, and then seeing that, that, you know, their eyes light up and, and then thinking maybe you've made a difference to one person in the audience. It's just, it's just a great feeling. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to get a platform to be able to not only speak your passion, but to educate, inspire and uh, connect yeah. with other people as well. So yeah, congratulations on, on how that unfolded in your, in your younger years, shall I say. Um, now talk to me, who's Jack Lewis? Who's Jack Lewis? Oh, Jack is, is my co-author with the, the sort your brain out books. So Jack and I met, oh, I can't remember what year it was. It 2010, I think. Um, uh, I might be wrong there. Uh, it was in, we were both speaking at a conference in Tenerife, and Jack's a, a, a brilliant neuroscientist, uh, Dr. Jack Lewis, and he was talking all about the brain, and he was up there, and he was, ooh, neuroscience, neuroscience, neuroscience. And then he said one fascinating thing. He, he, I always remember he came out with the words, do you know, you can change your brain. Uh, and that just lit up inside me. I thought, wow. Uh, and the two of us got together afterwards, had a coffee. And I said, can you really change your brain? He said, yeah, if you force it every day over long periods of time, you know, if you set your goals just right, um, you can, your, your brain is the only, uh, it's the only computer in the known universe that can build its own new connections. Uh, there's no other computer as yet can do that. Uh, so we got together and, uh, you know, he said, look, you know, with your sort of storytelling and the way that, you know, you, you, you deliver stuff and, and make it fun and exciting, maybe we could create a, a user manual for, for the brain uh, and hence sort your brain out was born. And uh, it was, and again, it's coming through all that, in this case, all that sort of complex neuroscience and making it fun and relevant and I say fun, making it really, really practical and down to earth because everybody, it's funny, but you know, the thing that does all the thinking, no one ever gives it any thought, do they? It's, you know, and, uh, you know, people go down to the gym, they go down there to tone up and, and all whatever they go down there for aerobically to get better. Uh, they never sort of give much thought about, about the, the, the brain. Uh, so we, we came up with sort your brain out and, uh, and uh, if I say so myself, you know, I, I think it's a pretty good book, yeah. Yeah, I want to expand on that a little bit. Uh, one of my close friends, uh, Freya, I had her on the inter uh, podcast recently, and she's a uh, brain stimulation expert. So we had a whole podcast uh, dedicated to the brain, so well-versed on the brain. I want to jump into some of the things that I got from that book myself, and uh, I'm sure you can expand on that too. But some of the most basic tips, so I'll just go through them. A couple of the most basic tips that you can increase your brain performance Drink enough water, yeah. at least 20 minutes of physical activity every day, but I'll hand it back to the author and you can tell me more about some basic tips and how we can sort out the brain. Well, if Jack was here, Jack would be really banging on about this, uh, uh, would be, and it's the one thing I learned from writing it, is get some sleep. Um, 
The only, you know, it used to be back in the 1990s, you know, I'm, I'm that old, you know, people used to say, oh, sleep's for wimps, you know, and all, you know I, I get by on you know, three hours a night, whatever it is, you know. Uh, and as Jack says, you know, it will sort of catch up with you at, at some stage in your life if that's how you're living life. Uh, but when you're sleeping, uh, without being too boring now, it, it's the only time your brain can build those new connections is while you're asleep. It's the only time it can uh, rinse out neurotoxins, it needs to shrink the cells. Uh, and it's the only time it can do much needed repair work. Otherwise, you're expecting uh, someone, it's like asking someone to sort of repair a busy street during rush hour. Uh, it can only do repair work while you're asleep. So, so getting some sleep is the number one thing. But probably the second most important thing is as soon as you wake up, a glass of water. Brains are 73% water, just 2% dehydration will affect memory, attention, uh, and other cognitive skills. You can, you can see I've rehearsed those lines, can't you? Uh, doing so many talks with Jack. Uh, attention, focus, and other cognitive skills. Pass it on if you're listening to this to young, youngsters when they got exams. It's the difference between a B and an A grade. First thing in the morning now. Uh, and the reason is your brain uh, every morning is dehydrated. Uh, forget if you've been drinking alcohol the night before, your brain is dehydrated. In fact, your lungs have been working overnight, which is always a positive sign. means you've been blowing off moisture. Uh, so two biggest favours, get some sleep and uh, drink some water. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, for, and when, when did that book come out? Oh, crikey, when did it come out? You know, you've lost me there. We just had the new edition come out. Um, this is the new sort of uh, revamped version with loads of good new stuff in it. And this 2014 is, is when the first one came out. I know that. Okay. Yep. Well, this, oh. this has just come out. Uh, this, this, this year just gone. 2021 is uh, the new uh, new edition of it. And it's got some really no new use. I thought. It really, if I, I'm not just saying it, it really is a very, very useful book. Uh, and and oh, I just, I just learned so much from writing it with Jack. Um, it, it really has made me a bit of a neuro nut. I yeah, here's it. the thing. Everyone's got a brain. Everyone uses a brain, but no one studies it. And that's, it's a bit of a shame. Um, I'm sure there's things in there that if we were, you know, the book's all about boosting your performance and managing your stress and achieving more. If we had our brain right, our body right, I'm sure that we're not only going to think better, sleep better, but we're going to we're going to do better as well. Um, and the opposite's true too. If you don't have your brain right, you know you, you're not going to feel well, you're not going to do well, and you're not going to be well. Um, that's that's the main that's the main crux of that. Now, what was the next book um, that came out after that? Was that another polar bear book, or are we going to jump into TNT? Uh I had, I had the, the initial Polar Bear Pirate book came out, which was Polar Bear Pirates. It actually came out in a real, all sort of, sort of funky, all singing, all dancing, full of, fully color mode. That was the original Fat City Polar Bear Pirate book with, uh, with a couple of new characters. We've got Betty Backroom, uh, who's a new character. Betty Backroom's a sort of unsung treasure of a team. The person in the background, uh, uh, Betty's a person who manages their boss. Um, that, that, was, that was a new character in there. Um, uh, then the next book to come out was Polar Bear Pirates and their quest to engage the sleepwalkers. Now, sleepwalkers are not a negative person. Um, they're, uh, they're people who do a great, uh, a, sorry, they're people who do a really good job, but they're capable of so much more. Uh, they're shining at 60 watts. I need them shining at, at 100 watts. Uh, so that came out, and then the Sort Your Brain Out books. Uh, then um, the Tiny Noticeable Things book came out. Yep. Uh, let's see, let's expand a little bit on that uh, 60 watts to 100. I find myself in certain areas of my life where I know I'm sort of sleepwalking at 60%, knowing that I can be 100%. And I know yep. a lot of people I've seen in the workforce and go through their job 60% and they know their potential is a hundred. How do yeah. we, how do we set ourselves up to get a hundred? And it's not just by working harder, but how can a company or a leadership management team get their comp, get their employees to, you know, stretch and, and get to that hundred watt, as you call it? Well, first of all, it's, it's down to, it's down to great leadership in a team. It's, it's about managers stepping into the shoes of leaders. And, and, and you know, I, I meet so many good managers out there, but what I really need in my organization, I need great leaders. 
uh, great leaders who can inspire people, engage people. Uh, who, who are, they're people who are prepared to take ownership, they're prepared to dare to do things differently, uh, and they're prepared to make mistakes. Uh, a lot of people, you know, are just petrified of making mistakes and they spend all their life worried about making a mistake and, and they can't concentrate on their performance as much because they're, they're too worried about making a mistake. Um, so it's about great leadership and it's about creating that culture, that environment uh, around you where everybody wants to pull together for everybody else around them in their team. Uh, you know, people people want to make that difference and, and, and share in doing it and keeping each other shining at 100 watts. Um, and then it's down to the individual themselves to self-lead themselves to, to, uh, and doing that by setting, setting themselves goals. And I would say probably the most important thing is people in a team having a sense of progress. Um, you know, you, the, there's one thing that we all have in common. We're all different. There's a, apparently there's four fundamentally completely different personalities out there you know all thinking and working differently and that's there's, there's uh in one workplace it could be up to five different generations of people working there all thinking and working differently but what we all have in common is the need to have a sense of progress at the heart of having a sense of progress is great goal setting great goal setting that keeps us on what i call the front doorstep of our comfort zone if you, if you spend the rest of your, what I call your 44.4 seconds, your life inside your comfort zone, you won't build one new connection. You, you, you'll have the same brain, the same connections. You'll think the same stuff. You'll behave the same way for the rest of your life. If you stray too far outside your comfort zone, your brain goes into confusion. So I want everybody in my team around me, including myself, to be what I call just outside, literally half a step outside my comfort zone that time on the front doorstep. Uh, and I call it bubble wrapping. I don't know if, Michael, have you ever walked in bubble wrap in bare feet? Have you ever mm. done that? Yeah. Uh, it, it's a great feeling, isn't it? It's a bizarre feeling, uh, but it's like sort of popping all these lots and lots and lots of little goals that keep our brains fresh, that keep us excited, that keep us moving on, uh, and all of us together just – Doing all these little tiny little, little things, these little goals, popping all these little goals that make that make us feel good, um, and that for me is how we keep people at a hundred watts. Is yeah, great no. leadership, great support, and all of us having our own little goals. Because uh, a lot of people, you know, they focus on the big goal. One day I want to be this, you know. That's great. Go for it. But you know, where's your path? Where's your bubble wrap path? You know, where's your, where's all your bubbles you're going to pop to get there? You know. Yeah, absolutely. I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, David Allen from the book, uh, Getting Things Done, and he's a expert in management consultant. And yeah, he breaks it down. You know, when you break down the, the fundamentals five steps, it all comes down to what is the small daily actions you can take with those small wins and milestones as well. Um, yeah, great. I think the biggest issue in the, in the workforce, and obviously yourself, um, understanding and, and managing teams as well, you've got employees, managers, and owners. Sometimes if the owners aren't in the business or if it's a major global uh, company where it's sort of faceless and we don't know who the owners are, managers get into a position where they're comfortable in terms of their salary and position and, and they won't do anything to disrupt the status quo. How do employees change culture from the ground up if managers are reluctant to change the culture? Do they have to find another workplace or is there things they can do to change that culture? Well, it's a bit like trying to change the weather in some cases, isn't it? You know, it's, it, I get asked this quite often. And I say to people, you know, you, I used to work in one particular company and people were always moaning about our boss all the time. You know, and I remember at a meeting once turning around and saying, listen, guys, you know, it's like sat here moaning about the weather. Yeah, I, I think the, the reality is that person isn't going to change. They own the company, uh, you know, they're 100% owner of the company. Uh, and, and I'm just being honest, we're not going to change it, but you know, we're going to crack on and we're going to be the best we can possibly be. And we're going to deliver the best experiences to our customers that we can ever do. And we're going to make this an outstanding, a great place to work where people want to get out of bed. And when people get headhunted by other companies, competitors, they turn around and say, you must be joking. I wouldn't work anywhere else. Yeah, and, it, and it, not, not the focus on the don't sort of focus. It's like the neg ferret characters I talk about in my books. Yeah, neg ferrets, just quickly, they're, 
They're the ones that go around moaning all the time. You know, the people light they light up the room when they walk out. You know, oh, I don't like the moan, 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 neg ferrets. Uh, and you know, people are always concentrating on neg ferret characters. You know, they ignore them. Uh, and you, you know, if you've got a boss like that, just just keep keep going with what you're doing as a team collectively and you know, ride them. Just ride them out with your own passion and enthusiasm. You know, and at the end of the day, if it gets to the point where you just can't bear it anymore, you get off, get off the bus and go and go and hop on and up, go and go and yeah. put your energy and focus into someone else who appreciates it. You know, I, I sort of, you know, it, but at the end, but the start, the starting point is to focus on yourself, focus on the people around you, uh, and do the very best you can uh, with under the circumstances. But if yeah. you're starting to go home and you're stressed about it and it's causing you anxiety. Yeah, there'll be other organizations out there who really do appreciate someone with your passion and talents. You know, go and go and go and join them, you know? Yeah, thanks for expanding on that. And it totally makes sense. Now, talk to me. Where did, uh, where did the new book come from, Tiny Noticeable Things, The Secret Weapon to Making a Difference in Business? Why did you write that book and what is it all about? Okay, so the the Palabat, the world of Palabat Pirates is a whole sort of world of of, 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 of of motivation uh, and a big part of that world is is what i call tnts they're tiny noticeable things uh the, the, they're, they're little explosive things that we 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 do uh that we don't need to do sorry that that can make uh, a huge difference to people so they're tiny noticeable things they create the biggest longest lasting pictures in people's minds they're the things people see they show you care they make and break relationships the difference between a four and a five-star experience, the difference between a manager, a leader, uh, there are things that people might go home and moan to their partners about, uh, but don't mention at work. So all the little tiny things. And they came about in the world of Pillarboat Pirates because we were competing against big boys, people with loads of money and big budgets, and we just couldn't compete with them. So our secret weapon for differentiating, ourse differentiating ourselves from the competitors was tiny noticeable things. All the little things we could do that cost absolute neck, well, next to nothing uh, that could make a, 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 have a seismic impact uh, with people. So as a leader, I was always looking for little what I call TNT, tiny noticeable things I could do for my people in my team around me to make them feel good. And if I could make them feel a couple of inches taller, we, we could grow the business. And then collectively as a team, we're looking for TNT things we could do for each other. And then as a team, we were always putting our head into the worlds of our customers, always looking for opportunities to exceed their expectations with little things that cost nothing, uh, that the, the big boys just basically overlooked. Um, and that's, they became known as our secret weapon. They're our secret weapon. Uh, that's why we win so much business is, is, we make customers feel fantastic about themselves uh, and we deliver an experience that, that is just absolutely stand out. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'd love for you to sort of grab the book and tell some stories, but some of the things that I got from it is that like remembering someone's first name, recalling how they prefer to take their coffee uh, was really, really good. Sending someone a handwritten thank you note, they're all yeah. little sort of cost nothing engages that create the biggest long-lasting impressions. They, they – they show you you care, they blow people away, and they make a very big difference. So some of the things I got from it. But tell me some of the stories in the in the book or some of the most recent TNT experiences that you've got. Well, well, just one quick thing. When I'm speaking at conferences in, in coffee breaks, delegates are always sort of coming up and they're either telling me they love working where they're working or they're whispering in my ear, they're thinking you're leaving. It's never, Michael, ever to do with big stuff. It's always to do with the little TNT things that, that make such a difference. Um, you know, so, and going back to one thing you mentioned, anybody watching this now, handwritten note. The one thing that comes up all the time in the book is handwritten notes. The number of people in here are blown away by a handwritten note. You know, you, you know, a member of your team, they've been working so hard, you know, you're going through this, we're all going through challenging times at the moment. They get home that night, they're just undoing their bag, whatever, and a little post-it note falls out and it's just got a, a couple of words on it. You know, uh, Michael, 
I can't tell you how much uh, I'm enjoying working with you. Uh, you know, we, we, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. Just a few words like that. You know, it's great working with you, Michael. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying it. You know, these are the things that, that just make people feel a couple of inches taller. Uh, that excite people. But the book is, it's packed with... Oh, wow. I think there's over 100 stories in here. Um, they're, they're all sort of completely different. Uh, each one of them, though, some of them seem, you know, very simple. Uh, some of them are, are short, some of them are long. But they've all, they're all experiences that have made a difference to somebody else. So, you know, picking a couple out quickly here, we've got one called Old Friend. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole story out, but uh, there's Dino here and his wife. They go to a little restaurant down a back street, a little, little, uh, little uh, place, uh, El Perita. Um, they're eating their food. At the end of the evening, the owner of the restaurant comes over to quick have a quick chat with them. He notices that on Dino's jacket, one of the waiters or waitresses or somebody's just spilt a little bit of juice or something on there. And Dino says, oh, don't worry about it. No problem at all. You know, I'll... I'll um, I'll get it fixed. And the owner said, I insist. I'll, I'd like to take your jacket from you and have it dry clean, please. So anyway, he lets him have the jacket. A day later, he gets his jacket back. It's all dry clean. Uh, and Dino says in the book, you know, I forget what the expense of the dry cleaning was. But Dino's got a very, very successful company he owns. You know, since then, he's had Christmas parties there. He's taken clients to that restaurant. He spent, he, he, he reckons he spent tens of thousands of pounds because of that little TNT action that that owner took there. You know, you've got one here, Boldo. It's one of my favorite ones. Uh, you know, people in the workplace will sort of, you know, they'll, they'll thank someone by, I don't know, give them a bottle of wine, you know, whatever it is. You know, and here, here's, here's one. Um, I worked for a wonderful boss, Dave Fletcher. Prior to Dave becoming my manager, I had, despite being a non-drinker, become used to receiving gifts of champagne or wine in recognition of performance. Then one day I received a gift I will never forget. I was at my son's cricket club watching him play when, completely unexpectedly, Dave, knowing of my passion for the game, turned up and presented me with a pair of cricket cufflinks as a thank you for all my hard work. As a person who's mad about all things cricket, this TNT gesture meant the world to me. Prash Sakra. These are things, you know, that make people feel great about themselves. You know, here's, here's a customer experience one quick. Let me find that customer. Where's a customer experience one for you? While um, you find that, I'll tell you my TNT on the weekend. Well, the other day, um, we went out for a fancy dinner with uh, some great friends. We, we've got five kids between us and we haven't had a, a night out with friends for, uh, without kids for eight years. Okay. Um, obviously we go out. So we went to a fancy restaurant and we sat next to the world number two tennis player in the world. As you know, his name, he lost last night to Raf Nadal, uh, in the Australian Open. And wow. the waiter, how he managed other people to, take away from the the sports star and things like that. And we'll sit him right next to him. But just the way he conducts himself. We were there for four hours. We had an amazing meal. And then just the – he had a 20-minute private conversation with us yeah. after we had our meal. And he didn't have to do this. And it was just how he held himself. And it was just a, a tiny noticeable difference. Now, the owner of the restaurant or the manager of the restaurant have no idea who this waiter, what he actually did. But – they, these are the things that make restaurants or organizations stand out and above. And now using word of mouth, I would tell people if they want to go to a, a nice fancy restaurant, this is the restaurant you should go to because their service is next level. So that, that was my total, uh, tiny noticeable difference just the other day. Yeah, that, 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 all yeah. the little tiny noticeable things that people do, they're, they're tiny, they're explosive, but they're great colossal pictures in people's minds. Mm. You know, a certain chain of restaurants here in the UK has just spent uh, a lot of money and a lot of time researching what is the one thing out of everything else they do that, that, makes, uh, that makes customers want to come back. Do you know what it was? It, it's a fond farewell. It's a member of the staff in that restaurant. When you're going out the door with your partner or whatever, they may, might be behind the bar cleaning glasses, coming from around the bar and just saying, hey, guys, thank you so much. I hope you've had a great night. We'll see you again. You know, that, that, that's the research into it. That's what, be, you know, these, you know, what TNTs do, they're the difference between service and experience. 
Service for me is something, you know, robotic. It's transactional. It, it's, it's just doing the basic stuff, you know. I can go to a self-service checkout in a, in, a, in, a, in a supermarket and have service, you know. But where it becomes experience is that little emotional thing, that little extra thing. You know, the second time you go back to the restaurant and the waiter greets you at the door and says, you know, hey, Adrian, Louise, good to see you again. You know, wow. You know, it's... it's for me, it's all about how we make people feel, Michael, you know? Uh, great people, great businesses, great organizations. They make people feel great, you know? And then if you can make people feel a little bit special, life out there for, you know, most motivational speakers will tell you life's brilliant. It's not at the moment. Life for a lot of people is really difficult. And if we can just make people feel a little bit special, give that little lift, put a smile on their face, just you know, remembering someone's first name the second time you meet them or, or whatever. I mean, here, here's, here's an example. This is a really short one. Favourite room, it's called. This is a great little TNT. Jury's in Hotel, Derby, 30th of October, 2019. I asked the receptionist at check-in if I can have the same room as last time. Her reply blew me away. Certainly, sir. I've already reserved room 721 for you because I knew you liked it so much last time. Boom! You know, TNT is all the things that people don't need to do, but when they do do them, they have a seismic impact. You know, they, they and I, I, seriously, I get so passionate about it. You know, I, you know if, if you want to experience TNTs at their absolute best, you know, the best experience I've ever had, Glen Eagles Hotel in Scotland. Wow! You know, it's just stunning. You know, the, the experience they give you there, all the little things they do that, that just blow people away the whole time. But here's the thing. They cost nothing. So why can't other businesses do them too? You know, why, why can't everybody do them? And what's really great about TNTs, a couple of things that are really great is you might not be able to sort of make a seismic change to the world, but you can all do TNTs. You can all do little things that, that, that make people feel good about themselves. And, and you know, the really exciting thing for me is, and I'm, I'm droning on a bit now, but they are contagious. When, when we, when we do a TNT for someone, it releases dopamine in our brain as well. St. Petersburg drive-through, uh, uh, Starbucks drive-through, 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning. A lady in a car decides to buy the person behind her a cup of coffee. This pay it forward cycle, Michael, went on for 11 hours. 11 hours! 378 people had a free drink because it makes us feel good when we do it. You know, they're contagious. And, it, and I think it's about being sensitive to and, and, uh, and sensitive to and acting upon things that to us may seem insignificant and yet mean so much to somebody else. You know, that, you know, never, ever overlook the TNTs. You know, I, yeah. I was always used to say to my teams, you know, they're the big things for somebody else out there. All the little things we do. Uh, and anybody who's in management here, all the little tiny things you do for members of your team, you know, uh, to, to just give them that lift. You know, if you want to grow your business, start by making your people feel taller. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, yeah, there's so many great stories in the book. I, I read one just before where it was about the uh, lady that worked at Safeway and she would wipe the uh, tr shopping trolley seats when yeah. it rains so that if you had a child sitting in it, it wouldn't get a wet bottom and, you know, made the whole shopping experience a, a far happier one uh, for parents pushing the trolley. Just little things like that. But I think the book can be summed up with one word and that's called care. And we're at that age or that I'm stage in life. That. I'm glad you said that. I was worried then. <laughs> no, 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 care, care. So it's uh, there, there's a secret spiritual principle called the creation of care. And what that means is most people don't understand that your tiny little cares grow into something massive. And the opposite's true too. So when you neglect, when you don't care, things, you know, dissipate and, you know, go the other way. So the book is all about small ways that we can care and how we can do those small actions that grow into big things. Would, would I be correct in summarizing the book as, as care? Yeah. There's a, there's a workshop. I, I do this workshop and I ask people in the workshop, what is it? Because this, this is a workplace workshop. It applies way outside the workplace. I ask people, what is it you want more than anything else from people around you in your team? And, you know, we start off with post-it notes around the board. We've got recognition, validation, support. You have all these words. The people in the room, that they, they percolate 
I don't know if it's right, they percolate all these words into three words at the end of the session. And it's always the same three words. And the first word is the word time. Somehow we have to make time for each other, even if it's, you know, especially these days in this sort of, you know, artificial intelligence world, where, you know, where it's all robotic and, you know, and, and faceless sort of service. We have to make time for each other, you know. Uh, and, and you probably noticed, you know, that all the great sports people, uh, they all have that little bit of extra time. The second word is the word care. We have to show we care. And I think one of the dangers is a lot of people really do care about people around them. Uh, but unless they can show it, demonstrate it externally with little TNT, tiniest little actions, um, people will make, begin to think they don't. I don't mind working for anybody. I don't mind doing long hours, dealing with challenging uh, problems, dealing with difficult people, commuting into work. As long as I think people in my team care, they care about themselves, they care about the rest of the team, our services, our products, whatever. And yeah, if I'm honest, they care about me. Uh, and the third word is uh, the most interesting word that people come up with. It tends to be the word human. Uh, you know, no matter how successful you ever become in your life, please don't ever try to come across as being infallible. You know, it's the biggest disconnect there is. You know, it's, it's the old joke, Michael, you know, why do they put rubbers on pencils and bumpers on cars? Because we all make mistakes. Um, uh, so being human and TNTs, that's what they demonstrate. They, they, they show you've taken that little extra step for somebody. Uh, you've taken time. They show you care. Uh, and they make they make the experience human. Uh, they 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 show that you're human. Uh, that that little thing, you know, it's like you know, some you've noticed that a member of your team cycles into the office each day, uh, and it's starting to get a bit cold. And you know, instead of giving them as a thank you for when they've performed whatever they've done, instead of a thank you being a typical you know gift of you know a, a, a few bottles of wine. The rest of the team gather around that person's desk at the end of one evening and say, look, you know, we've noticed it's getting a bit chilly. Uh, we've, we've got you some cycling gloves from the rest of the team. Now, that person will just be blown away. So what we're doing is we're, we're bringing team, I think, and making it more of a family. Uh, we're making it a, a sort of, yeah, something closer, closer knit than, than a team. Yeah. Yeah, Wonderful. It's uh, it's great. I've got a couple of last questions before we sort of wrap up and wanted to ask you about uh, being alcohol-free and energy. I'm actually going through a year of no alcohol myself. You are? Um, yeah. Hey, good on you. Yeah. Do you want to expand on that? I was listening to a podcast of yours recently and you were Ooh. talking about uh, getting off the alcohol and understanding that your energy was going through the roof. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I did a hundred days. I didn't, didn't, uh, last year, I did a hundred days. Uh, the year before, I did... Uh, Crikey, I did 40 days. I did 100 last year. Uh, and I, I'm sort of tempted to, to go an entire, go for an entire year. Uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm, I'm a bit of a lightweight when it comes to drinking. Um, I, the thing is, I do enjoy a couple of beers. I do enjoy a couple of beers. Uh, uh, but I, I did, I wasn't sure if I'm, was I imagining it, but I, did after about the first five weeks started to sort of feel more energetic. Um, what was great was going to bed at night knowing that you, you're not going to wake up with any sort of hangover. Yeah, that, um, and I've got so much I've got to pack in and, uh, into my life and do, you know, I, I, uh, I need all the energy I can get, Michael. I need, I need as much energy. And I thought if I cut and all alcohol out completely, and, and at the moment it's getting so easy because there's so many great alcohol-free beers out there and there's alcohol-free gin, there's alcohol-free wine. I'm not trying the wines, but the, the beer, some of the beers I've had have been absolutely brilliant. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, when you have your first, when you get to the bar and you have your first cold beer, you know, that the first few, I think you, in my head, you spend the, the, the sort of rest of the evening trying to replicate that, that, you know, you have more and more drinks because you're trying to get that great feeling you had the first few sips. Yeah. Um, and some of the alcohol-free beers now, a nice cold one, it, it almost does it. So I'm, I'm think, 
Are you still alcohol-free? Yeah, yeah. So I just started uh, July 4th. So just a short story. Yeah, I've been drinking for 22 years. And when I say drinking, yeah. I mean I hadn't gone through a period of 100 days non-drinking. I'm not a big drinker. I might, As I said, I enjoy one or two beers, but I never took a break. And uh, I've got two young kids, and uh, obviously I wake up four or five in the morning and uh, I don't get enough sleep. And it was affecting yeah. my sleep and also affecting my energy. And I thought, you know what? That's it. I'm going to go one year without alcohol. So I'm researching everything about uh, getting off alcohol and that's one thing that came up on a podcast of yours. How, how, you just how are you feeling? Amazing. Yeah, I feel great. Yeah, I always feel great anyway, but I feel better. Yeah. I feel better than great. So that's how, good. How, how, how are you coping when you, you know, you go out with a bunch of friends? And, well, you yeah, know, the, the other day when I went out and we sat near that, you know, tennis player and, you know, I just, uh, I had a mocktail. I had a ginger something and I had a, a V. I had an, I don't drink energy drinks and I had a V and I had a coffee. I love coffee. I'm a coffee addict and I drink a lot of tea and I drink a lot of water. So, yeah, there's a lot of options there for people who are getting off alcohol with non-alcoholic beers and drinks. It's, it's amazing that when you notice things new things you notice them everywhere and that's you know that's just that's just life but i've got a couple of questions i wanted to ask you about um you mentioned i am just what is i am just you talk about um, that in in some of your speeches the, the i'm just the i'm just the um you know when i now and again when i get in i get invited to go and visit organizations and and you know, I, I know when I get in my car and I set off to go and visit them, amongst all the lovely people I'm going to meet that day, I'm almost guaranteed to come across a character. And when I meet them, Michael, I feel like grabbing hold of them and shaking them. They're the people I call the Iron Just. Because whenever I ask them what they do as part of a team, they always start their self-description with, I'm just. Yeah, I'm just. And, and I, and I want to say to them, Michael, you're not I'm just. You're, uh, we all make a difference. You know, it, it, nobody's an I'm just, you know, nobody's a nobody out there. Um, and it's just one of the little things that just sort of wind, <laughs> winds me up amongst other things. Other people using these imaginary air congas all the time. Oh, we had such a cool time. It was hurting, you know. So, but the I'm just thing, it's just, uh, it, to me, it just it opens, a, it gives me a, yeah, opens a window into people, how they sort of, I think there's a lot of people doing jobs these days, you know, as, as, a, as a, in their head, they're, they're doing it as a stopgap, you know. Oh, at the moment, I'm working in the local supermarket, where, you know, until I get, you know, it's just a stop. I don't, I don't want any I'm just people in my team. And I don't want what I call any two-dimensional people. I, I don't want, um, oh, that, that's, that's, that's Tina in customer services, or oh, that's Steve in marketing. That's 2D. You know, that's just a name and a job description. I want people to better bring their personality, what I call pocket powers, which is a pocket power really quick, is I've noticed that when someone has a problem outside of work or whatever it is, a personal problem, that uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a, a guy in admin uh, called John. People come and talk to John, or or they go and talk to Christine in finance. Maybe their front pocket powers empathy. Um, there's another person who makes us laugh. Uh, maybe they're the fun bus in the team. We got someone else who's a calming influence when the chips at the fan. Maybe their their front pocket powers calm. So I want people in my team to be able to bring uh, far more than, than just what their name is and what they're paid to do. Uh, so that, that that's important. But the I'm just thing. You, 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 now I've said that, you'll hear that. <laughs> you know, you said you pick up. You will pick up on that all the time now. The number of people you wait to you, you're chatting to people. Next time you're out and about, what do you do? Oh, I'm I'm just a waitress. Oh, I'm just a, a band driver. I'm just a deliver. I'm just yeah. You hear it all the time. It will drive you nuts. <laughs> yeah, we, and to recap that, I I think people know they're not performing at their dream job or they're not performing at their. 100% potential. So they say the I am just to be a little bit humble, but also they know that they're not in the right in the right career or the right job. Now, one last question to sort of wrap up. Now, if you were to host, uh, we spoke about Napoleon Hill before and he sort of talked about masterminds, but if you were to host a mastermind with three to four or five authors uh, from the past, dead or alive, who would they be? Who would be in your mastermind? Who would you invite? Oh. Gosh, what a what a what a tough one! I'm trying to think. I, I where's my uh... top of your head? Oh crikey, what's his name? Uh... Tell me, I'll tell you it. <laughs> oh. What books? What books? Or what books inspired you over the years when you were wrote... on your coming up? 
Well, because I've started reflecting on life a bit, I, I'm just trying to see if I've got it handy. I, I read a great book recently uh, called Ten to Zen. Ten to Zen? Ten yeah. to Zen. I'll get uh, it. Kicking myself for not remembering the name of the person who, who, who wrote that book. Uh, Owen O'Kane. Sorry? Owen O'Kane. What was it? Yeah, Owen O'Kane. Are you sure? Uh, 10 to Zen, 10 minutes a day to a calmer, happier you. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Anyway, so we'll, we'll put Owen on the list. Who else? Oh, I've got a, this guy here. Uh, love this guy, Dr. Steve Peters, The Chimp Paradox. Yep, yep. Love that, that, that little angry chimp inside you. Uh, I found 10 to Zen. I've got it. Here we go. Um, yeah, you're spot on. Look. I, I didn't ring a bell. That's bizarre. I mean, okay, we've got it there. Perfect. And another book I'm trying to think. Ah, here you go. Love this one. Um, Dalai Lama, The Art of Happiness. Awesome. That that really uh, resonant. I started because my whole life up to, you know, uh, got up to sort of 10 years ago, it was all about, you know, ch performing, chasing, chasing the, the money and all the rest of it, materialistic stuff, you know, bigger house, faster car and all that sort of stuff. And it all started feeling just slightly vacuous. And, uh, yeah, started sort of looking, actually thinking, reevaluating myself. I'm sounding a bit heavy there, but, uh, yeah. And I found, I found, I, I discovered that book and, and that really did sort of change my outlook on, on life. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. What's in store for you? What are you working on this year or what are your sort of projects that, uh, you're coming up about that you're super excited about? Right, I, I'm working on a polar, a polar bear pirate book. I'm doing a, a whole series of, of, of blogs. Uh, have a look. I call them bullet blogs. They're real sort of simple, short blogs and on my website. Um, I'm doing those. Uh, I'm preparing. I'm hoping that live events are going to become a, a bit more. Um, uh, they're going to Stable. be coming back. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a bit more regular. Uh, yeah. Love, love, love doing the, the speaking more than anything else. Uh, I'm also writing another book, which I don't want to say much about. I'm sort of, I'm really excited about it, and, and I'm sort of keeping a bit of a sort of secret. I sound a bit of a, yeah, sorry. So I'm coming, um, but no, I, I, I want to keep that under But the other one, I'm, I'm hoping to do, and everybody says they're going to do one, and I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't care really if it gets published. I've got this idea of a, a kids' book, uh, a children's book. Uh, and it's just really, uh, what I'd love is if, you know, I, if, if my grandkids and all that read it, but no one else read it really. So I'm, I'm just going to write it for the fun of it. Cause every time I mention it, people say, Oh, everybody wants to write a kid's book and it's a saturated market. I don't, I don't care. Um, I'm just going to write it for the hell of it. Just, just for the fun of it. If it gets published, great. If not, well, my grandkids will enjoy it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And where can people find you online or where, where can people buy your books? What's the best place? Oh, please. Um, AdrianWebster.com is my website. Uh, I'm on, oh, I can show you. I'm on um, Instagram, Polar Bear Pirates with an S on the end. Twitter, I'm Polar Bear Pirates. Please follow me on Instagram. My Instagram account is rubbish. I'm, I, honestly, if you follow me, I promise you, I, I will instantly follow you back. Um, I, I am not fussy. I will follow anybody. Please follow me. AdrianWebster.com <laughs> uh, is my website, and there, there's all the books up there. So. Perfect, uh, perfect. Well, Adrian, thank you for being a great guest on the Best Book Bits podcast. And to my audience, yeah, go out there, purchase these books, read them, implement them, and share them around as well. And also follow Adrian on social because he needs some love. Adrian, thanks for keep looking up there. It's because I'm looking at my Brio camera, which is not working. I realize I'm, the camera's here. Sorry, guys. I'm like, no, if you look okay. one. No, perfect. That's fine. All right, Adrian. Yeah, thanks for being um, a great guest, and uh, we'll wow. speak to you soon. And if you ever Ed, if you ever down under, um, I'll give you a bit of a tool too. Okay, well, uh, Michael, I, I thank you so much. Did, didn't Nadal speak to you, by the way? No, nah, no, it was the other guy, it was the Russian guy. He's oh, right. Like, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I say number two because the Novaks, but yeah, he's um, yeah. It's a long story, as everyone knows. He got kicked out of the country, but. Uh, we'll, we'll chat offline. To more, we'll leave our guest and audience uh, with this. So, Adrian, thanks for being a guest, and we'll, we'll speak soon. Oh, what a pleasure, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, no worries at all. Thanks so much.